Um, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are today going to start looking for the next three weeks weeks through the birth narrative of Jesus, specifically taking out of Luke. So um, you can get in the word over the next couple of, couple of weeks and read ahead and see. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a layout so you can literally be prepared um, today. We're going to be talking specifically through the beginning of Luke one um, five through really 57. We're going to skip some of Mary's interaction with Angel Gabriel. But today we're going to talk about um, the angel's interaction with uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Next week, we're going to look at the shepherds and what they did with the promise that they heard. And then we're going to close on the 22nd with uh, Mary hearing from um, the shepherds what they were told out there and how she treasured those things. But today we're going to talk about uh, the idea that we can be pregnant with promise, which just means metaphorically uh, that we can know and have in us the promises that God has laid before us in his word, but that we can still struggle with doubt. So today's one thing is pregnant with promise, but dealing with doubt. And so we're going to look at this through the lens of Zechariah, who should know more than anyone should know um, how to have an interaction with an angel, hear from the Lord because he is a priest, um, and walk into that trusting that God's going to do the miraculous. The tension is that, that just because we know the promise doesn't mean that we will welcome and live it. And we see this sometimes in our own life where we, we know what we should think and feel about Jesus. And then our life gets in the way and we walk in a measure of doubt that sometimes causes us some issues, which we'll see today that um, Zachariah's uh, doubt caused him a little bit of an issue also. So let's pray before we get in the word. Uh, Dearly Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you have laid out for us your story and we can trust your story as we read it. And Lord, I, I pray that as we look at texts that could sound very familiar because it is the birth narrative and if we've been in and around church, we've heard it. But Lord, I pray that you would give us new ears and new eyes and new hearts to see and experience your word in new ways today. So we just thank you, um, Lord, that you did the miraculous and you continue to do the miraculous. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to trust you in what you want to do in and through us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start in Luke 5. Luke was a gospel that was written uh, by this guy named Luke who was writing it to uh, another party to show him how he could believe in and trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And so he has the only real narrative that has John the Baptist in it like this. And so we're going to start in verse 5. It's going to be on the screen behind you. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. And let me just stop there as we begin. This, um, look at verse 6. 
says, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Let me just let me just say, let me just say, I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm not sure any of us in this room, including me. Hear this statement spoke over us like it is spoken to Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. It's not a judgment on you if you are. If that is a statement that God is speaking over you, praise the Lord. But the likelihood is that we're not walking like Zechariah and Elizabeth were. And this was pre-Jesus. This was pre the, the interaction with the Holy Spirit that we as on the other side of the crucifixion get to interact with the living God. And let me make this statement. This was for free. Not even really part of what I want to land on today. But it's hard to look at this and not make this statement. Even these people struggle. Zechariah and his, and his wife Elizabeth were barren, which in this culture was a, a statement um, from God and believed that it was a punishment from God to them. So I, I just want to make this statement that you can walk blamelessly with the commandments and the statute of the Lord's and still struggle. Those things aren't always related. So let's jump in. Verse 7, it says, But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. And we're going to make mention to, but Zechariah was a priest. A priest is completely aware of all the text and all the scriptures, had memorized all of what we would consider the Old Testament or what they had, the Torah. They knew all of the prophetic words. They knew all the stuff. And he for sure knew the story of Abraham and Sarah, which is also another couple advanced in the years that God spoke to and gave them the ability to conceive at a later date. So it is something in his mind, in his teaching, that he is already aware of God's ability to do so which makes it even harder as we see what is getting ready to happen. It says, Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So, just to give you a kind of little understanding, I think there was 24 different divisions, and these divisions were split up throughout the year that twice a year they would serve one week in the temple. So two times a year, um, Zachariah's division would go and do the priestly duties at the temple. So he's there doing his duties, and he has um, the honor, actually literally drawn lots, like drawn straws, And he gets chosen to be the one to enter into the temple and burn the incense, which is a honor for him. Really cool. And so in verse 10, it says, while the multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So so Zechariah, he has two other attendants that will go in with him. One will bring the burning coals, one will bring the incense, and he will pour the incense over the burning coals that will start the incense and people are waiting outside praying for this moment that they're burning incense unto the Lord. And at the end of this, the the priest would walk out and speak a blessing over all of those that are praying. So they're outside waiting. Zachariah goes in. His attendants bring in what he needs. They leave. He's in there by himself. And something crazy happens, at least in this day and age. 
I think we are jaded in our um, technologically advanced age that we would be like kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Who is paying no mind to the man behind the curtain? You would be trying to think, like, how is this going on? This this is the temple of the Lord. And see, in verse 11, it says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing to the right side of the altar of incense. This is the priest who's fully aware that God has interacted with his people. Now, it has been a while. It's been hundreds of years since God has interacted with his people in ways like this. But He is fully aware of the possibility of having an angel come in contact with him. Not something he had experienced before, but something that at least through his training and his understanding of the word, that it has been something that happens. In verse 12, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. So let me just say. When an angel appears, almost every encounter in the Bible, the angel has to say, do not be afraid. There is a reason why they say, do not be afraid. I don't think, like, in our culture, we're thinking, oh, here's a very kindly looking man in bright clothes. Like, this was an angel of the Lord, an officer of God. I mean, like, an imposing gentleman (laughs) standing at the corner of the altar and here is Zechariah seeing him, and he says, of course, but the angel of the Lord said to him, do not be afraid. And this is crazy. And he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the Lord a people prepared. So can you imagine? Here's someone that his own prayers, the angel is saying, hey, your prayers have been heard. They are going to be answered. They have been probably praying for decades to have a child. And not only are they going to have a child, they're going to have a son, which is a big deal in this culture. And not only are you going to have a son, but you're going to have a son that's going to do some amazing things. I mean, can you imagine how glad he would feel? And this is a promise. This hasn't happened yet. This is what we're talking about. Pregnant with promise. The angel of the Lord had spoken something that was going to happen. And this is where we begin to talk about this idea that that we can hear promises. We can we can go, man, that would be amazing. And this little seed of doubt can have its way in us. I found this and it says God sent his angel beforehand to predict the pregnancy rather than sending him afterwards to explain it, because he wants to demonstrate unmistakably that he is in charge. This is God's work. The birth were not unusual coincidences found by God and used. They were ordained and ordered by the by his sovereign will. 
So this is the angel of the Lord. And, and remember, this is a priest. This is the, the one guy, if he's going to walk in faith, and we read in verse 6, they walked in the statutes of the Lord blamelessly. This is the one guy that you think when he hears this, he's going to be like, yes and amen. He doesn't do that. Which we'll see in verse 18. It says, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Which, if you've read the birth narrative, which we're not going to talk about in detail today, but Mary had a very similar encounter. And a very similar question she asked, like, how, how is this going to happen? Partially because she was not married at the time, had never known a man, and it's impossible, up until this point, for you to have a child without a husband, or without someone else to participate. And here is a priest of the Lord that has him and his wife. They are married. Very clear on how this is going to happen. And he said, how shall I know this? For I am old and my wife is advanced in years. And he knows the story of Abraham. He knows that God came to someone else just like them in their scenario and did just what he said he was going to do. The wrong way to handle a promise is to doubt it. And see, what, what this doesn't mean is he didn't need more proof to trust God. And so what I'm not saying today is when doubt arises, especially if you're in here and you're like, I'm not even sure about Jesus. This is not saying, hey, blindly choose to follow Jesus. This, this is a man who knows who God is. This is his job to understand the truths of God. He didn't need more truth to understand who God was. He had to trust that when God showed up, he was going to do what seemed impossible to him. And it was impossible because they had been married for years and they had not had a child. And so uh, I look at the next scenario through like, I feel like I get in the director's seat and I want to see certain things happen as it happens. So like in my mind, this scenario in verse 19, it says, and the angel of the Lord answered him. So he just declares something that he got from God, delivers to the person that God told him to deliver it to. And this person just said, how will I know? Like, how are you? How is this going to be? Seriously? And so in my mind, it says, and the angel of the Lord answered him, I am Gabriel. Like, I don't think he's like, hey, 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 gentleman, you know, sir, priest. Like, I think he, his shoulders went a little further back. I think the glow that he may have had just got a little bit brighter. I think his voice echoed so much that it probably shook the room. I think they took out the word boy in this statement. Um, because listen to what he says. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. No, you didn't. At this point, for dramatic effect, the ground shook. He, I mean, like, can you just imagine that this angel was in the presence of the living God. And God said, I've got, a, I've got a job for you. I want you to go and I want you to give this message. And he's probably like, it's the beginning. I mean, because he's probably been there 
since Genesis 3.15, he knows the story. He knows where this is going. He goes, this is beginning to, this is going to bring the Messiah. This, this is the beginning of it. And he's like, I get to be a part of it. And he goes, I'm sure when he pops up in the, you know, in, a, in the room of incense, he's like, <laughs> like he's almost like celebrating, like, Jesus got me. And he tells the priest, this is what's going to happen. Like your prayer. So this isn't just a surprise. This is something you've been asking for. God heard it. He's going to answer it. And look what is going to happen through your son. He tells him like this. He is going to be known. He's going to bring people back to people of God to God, which is a whole other story in itself. He's going to he's going to call people in. He's going to be the messenger and that guy says, how shall I know this? Like, maybe he like pulled out his sword a little bit. I will just, I will end you right now. Man, that's not in the Bible. Okay. But that's in my mind. Like, that's why I'm not an angel either. I talk about all the time why I wouldn't be a good Jesus. I wouldn't be a good angel either. I'd be like, new one. God, bring another one. And so in verse 20, it says, and behold, you. So this is this is what happens. He doubted and the angel just went off on him. In verse 20, it says, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the days that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. So they're still out there. Can you imagine? They're out there praying. They're, I mean, the priest usually does this thing and comes out and blesses them. They're waiting for that moment. And there's a delay in that. So they're sitting out there going, what's going on? Like in my story, they saw like a little glow come from the little crack of the things. They heard the raised voice like, oh, somebody's yelling at Zechariah inside and he's alone in there. I mean, and they're like, you know, that's not really happening, but could, could. And so the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them remain and remaining and remained mute And when his time of service ended, so he was still there, still had to perform his duties. And when his time of his service ended, he went home. And after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, thus, the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I mean. How comical, like I, and I talk about this all the time, like I hope there's videos in heaven, like we can watch replays of like, I would love to see what he looked like when he came outside and it would be like the worst game of charades ever because he's like, (laughs) they're like, did he maybe got a little too close to the incense, breathe it up, who knows? And I mean, could you imagine he finishes his duty, he goes goes home to his wife and tries to explain that without being able to talk. And then she becomes pregnant, and he's like, why couldn't I just trust and believe? And I'm going to have a little creative license again here in just a second. So right after this, we see the angel visit Mary and we see the whole interchange was completely different. Her her question was out of innocence. 
See, Zacharias was out of knowledge. He knows how these things work, but he's like, how is this going to be? And, and Mary's like, I've never, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. Like, how am I going to have a child? And there was, there was an obedience in her where she's like, let it be so, as you said. And different story. So Mary becomes pregnant, and the angel tells Mary that Elizabeth is also pregnant. So she goes to see her cousin and the whole interaction that they have there. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, it fills John the Baptist inside the womb. I don't know why I can't just call him John. Like, I have to call him Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist. But this whole interaction, and in verse 45, and this is this is some liberty I'm going to take on my side again. And this is a statement after she hears Mary tell of what happened to her. Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. See, in my liberty, I think Zachariah is in the other room and their houses aren't that big. And I think she yells this really loud enough for him to hear it. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Because this is a teenager and her faithful. I'm sure she's like, you know better, Zachariah, you know better. I'm not sure if that actually happened, but like it would be a great. I mean, I think Jody would do that to me uh, if she was in the other room. <laughs> Blast! I know you can hear me. Um, and then we pass down a little bit further into verse 57, and we see the fulfillment of the promise. Or actually, we see we do see the fulfillment of the promise, but we don't see. All of the promise fulfilled because he's still a baby. In verse 57, it says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No. He shall be called John. Now, this may not seem unusual to you if you've had children and realized that, you know, we kind of have the ability to say, I like this name. I like this name. In this culture, the, the, the firstborn son usually carried the name of the father. This was this was unusual to use a name that was not in the lineage, not in some connection to someone else in the family. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Let's get the husband in here. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote down, his name is John. And either he is the best faker in the world, which he's not. All of a sudden, the guy who hasn't spoke since his encounter in the temple is getting ready to be let loose because of this statement. His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. 
And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came over all of their neighbors because, you know, like he has been silent. I'm sure they've been talking about him this whole time. And they're like, and all of a sudden he's probably at the top of his lungs. He has not been able to speak for nine months. He has sat back and watched the fulfillment of the promise while he sat there silently. And finally he is able to speak again. And he is not going to make a mistake at this time. He is not going to not praise God. In verse um, 30, uh, 65, and it says, And fear came over all the neighborhood neighbors, and all of these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judah. And all who heard them laid them upon their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is on it. We're in a very similar place. We see, and we'll see over the next three weeks, over and over again, this idea that, that we, we, we are living in the same place of Mary and Elizabeth and John and Joseph and all of those around. Because they were, they were pregnant with a promise. They, they had this thing inside of them. This, this promise that would be, but they weren't walking. They didn't get to see the fulfillment of it while they had to walk out the promise. Same thing in this pregnancy. Could you imagine, and we've not talked about this, but could you imagine in all of, you know, kind of fear and anxiety that Elizabeth is going through and the, you know, will this, will this be? You know, I, I don't know. It didn't say specifically how old she is. She may be going, oh my gosh, you know, like, am, am I even going to be able to deliver this baby? She had to wait until that moment, and then when she sees him, she's like, his name will be John. She, she's, she's trusting in that promise in spite of what others may think or feel about this. And Mary, the same, she, she gets to see the angel of the Lord, and she has to trust him all throughout this. And, and, and then what's crazy about this is the, the pregnant with promise doesn't end when the child is born because John the Baptist isn't John the Baptist yet. He's not fulfilling all of those things that the angel Gabriel said that he was going to do yet. They still have to trust as he goes through. Same thing with Jesus. I mean, can you imagine with Mary, she's heard these things and, you know, her now husband is is also had an encounter with the angel of the Lord through a dream and, and, and has married her and, and she's walking out. And I'm sure everyone knows, like, this isn't Joseph's kid. They're, they're, they're speculating. There's all of this talk. And, and all she has now as he's born is just a baby. The baby's not doing anything. I mean, I mean, imagine looking every day at this child. You know, imagine your two or three year old and looking at if you've had a two or three year old. Imagine looking at a two and three year old and go, that's going to be the savior of the world. Imagine a five or six year old. That's going to be the savior of the world. Imagine a puberty Jesus going, oh my gosh, this is going to be the savior of the world. Imagine the teenager, the savior. I mean, this, this promise for 30 some years and she didn't really see or understand it completely but she held on to this promise and and this is where we're at I believe today is that we 
we have seen and heard and experienced the promises of God. And we get to choose how we're going to live with those promises. Today we're going to talk about and have talked about what it means to live with the doubt or doubting those promises. Next week we're going to look at how um, the, the shepherds heard the promise and they pursued to discover that the promise was what it was. Then we're going to look at Mary in the last, that she treasured those promises in her. And we have an opportunity today, just like we will every day, every breath that we take for the rest of our life, we'll have an opportunity of what and how we're going to treat the promise that God has given us. Because you will not, I will not see the fulfillment of that promise until we become or till we are face to face with Jesus either in our death or in his return. And the beauty of this is, is we get to choose how we're going to live with the promise. What are we going to do with it? And and there are just some things I want to talk about as it relates to doubt. And this is a statement that I wrote down. Doubt is only terminal when you're dead. And I think every single one of us at one point in our life has struggled with doubting that promise. Is he really good when when we're faced with trials and temptations and, and things going chaotic in our life? Can we trust him with this? And, and we've had doubts. And I think sometimes we feel like those doubts disqualify us from really experiencing the goodness of God. And I just want to tell you that doubt is only terminal when you're dead. Because as long as you and I have breath in our lungs, we have the opportunity to repent and trust. Because doubt was not terminal for Zechariah. Now, there were consequences to that doubt. and He lived in silence for eight months because of it. But the moment... What the, what the promise was fulfilled when John was born and he wrote down his name will be John. I, I can't speak for this because it doesn't say it, but like I have a high likelihood that Zechariah lived the rest of his life in a high amount of trust and confidence in God. Seeing and trusting. He may not even have lived long enough to see John fulfill his purpose. He probably didn't live long enough to hear what Jesus spoke about John the Baptist. But the moment he said his name is John, something changed in him. And my my challenge for us this morning is what are we going to do with the promise that we've heard and know about? What are we going to choose? Because it's a choice. It's a choice of what you're going to do during this season and into next year with the promise. Because you can live here with this promise as something that you put on the shelf and go, well, one day. But what God is calling every single one of us to is to live inside of that promise. Live in that place of in spite of what's going on in our life and in spite of the impossibility of it actually happening like we desire, we're going to trust God. 
Because that was the doubt that Zachariah had is like, how is this going to be? And there may be things in your life that you're like, there is no way. There's no way that God can fill in the blank. And my encouragement to you is it well, my first statement is it probably won't happen like you think it will. So if you can release your expectations, but trust God, he will deliver his promises over and over again. And so I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And what I want to do is we go into our and it's a great song, by the way, for um, the message and, and closing this out. But I, what I want to encourage you with is a lot of time we're so afraid of our doubt that we don't want to communicate it to anybody. We don't want to acknowledge it. And I want you to do the exact opposite. If you're living with a measure of doubt, the most healthy thing that you can do is acknowledge it. Bring it before the Lord and ask him to help you change this. Because here's the crazy thing about it is like we're, we're afraid of our doubt being made known. But the only person that it really matters who knows it already knows. it. And this may may or may not blow your mind, but God sent Gabriel to Zechariah knowing exactly what he was going to do knowing exactly how he would respond. What if today, as we close and worship, we just got really honest and transparent with God and just say, here's where my doubt is. This is why I have the doubt. Because this health concern or this situation in my life or or, or this, this. Just have a little... A moment here in your chair, we're, we're going to have people up front. I encourage you. I, I know it seems like, oh, man, I don't want to share. There's a freedom when we acknowledge these things in front of people because, you know what, they lose their power. When they leave you and you trust other people to go, hey, this is what's going on. There, there's there's a, the possibility of faith in that moment filling you. To overcome that thing. And so wherever your doubt is, trust that just like with Mary and Elizabeth, there's a new birth coming. That God wants to bring life. The reason why we we cycle through these teachings and the reason why we at this point in our year are going to talk about the birth of Jesus is because he's about new birth. We got to baptize uh, one of our young ones this morning. And it was precious. I was here this Sunday that she came up um, to prayer, like literally right there where she got baptized. And she wanted to make Jesus Lord of her life. And that's like the most exciting thing in the world. Like we want that for our kids. We want that for, for our friends and families. And that happens the most when we allow him to use us. And the best way he gets to use us is us living in his promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you knew that Zechariah would respond the way he did. And you had planned and intention. And Lord, Lord, we want to be as transparent as possible. That we would lean into you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now as 
is this the reality of our own personal doubt is bubbling up to the surface. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't press it down and try to ignore it, but Lord, that we would bring it to the surface and give it to the one who restores and rebuilds and makes new. And so, Lord, I pray that today, as we do that, Lord, that you fill us with a measure of hope and joy and peace to walk into your promises, walk out these things that you've spoken to us and for us. And, Lord, we just acknowledge that we trust you as we step into this. Lord, we are grateful this morning for an opportunity to know you and to love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.